Hey, 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 welcome back to Grow Through What You Go Through. It's Courtney. Um, I, I acknowledge now I'm probably going to become more weirder as the episodes continue because obviously I had to put on a facade to get you guys engaged with the first two. So now if you hear my kookiness come out, uh, don't, don't judge me. Anyways, um, I'm giggling now because this is going to be a really heavy topic and I just wanted to get the giggles out before we go. I'm sure there still will be some funny moments in here, but I definitely do advise those um, that are sensitive to certain topics to definitely come back to this later on when you feel prepared or just know this is a trigger warning and that it is a very deep topic. Um. I'm definitely going to have it in the display and at the beginning of the episode so people are prepared. But if you're, go- and if you're going through something like this and you're in the midst of it, it's probably something that could trigger you and you shouldn't be here at this time. But this will be something that you can reference later on. Um, and going off of that, it is May, so it's Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, not a fun fact, but a fact is that 50% of people will be diagnosed with one mental health illness slash disorder in their lifetime. And that is only the amount that resembles those that are documented. I'm a firm believer that people do get misdiagnosed or are never diagnosed because of their avoidance and them not wanting to know what they may be experiencing or not talking about it, not addressing it. But we got to fight that stigma. There's no reason that people can't take care of their mental health the same way that they take care of their physical health. Our brain is what helps us function. If there's something wrong from that, if there's something wrong going on in your brain, the rest of you is not going to function properly. It leads to, you know, like mental health disorders lead to, are the leading causes of um, heart disease and, you know, just stress-induced and and just... I can't even think of the things at the top of my head, but they, I'm sure you catch my just, but I just want everyone to know that mental health is very important and I don't want anyone to be afraid to ask for help. Um, there's more strength and vulnerability in looking out for yourself so that you can take care of you and the others that depend on you. If you're not healthy, what healthiness are you going to give off to others or what are you going to be able to do for others if you can't do it for yourself? So please, please, please reach me on any platform. I'm I'm available through Messenger, through Twitter, through text message, through phone calls, through friends, anything that you guys may need. Please reach out to me. I never hesitate. I'm always available for anybody. And then I can point you in directions if you don't feel comfortable with me. I can lead you to resources, online resources or in person, whatever that you might need if you feel anything may be going on or that you just want someone else to talk to. So without further ado, I will get into this next heavy topic. So now that the trigger warning was a given, um, we're on to our next place. Sorry for the long dramatic millennial pause is what they call it. Um, But going off of last week's topic of anxiety comes something that has really harmed me in that bracket. 
I know that I've mentioned underneath the umbrella terms, but OCD for me had come after anxiety. Um, just having some obsessive, obsessions and compulsions towards certain activities in my life, certain thought processes. But the most harmful part of OCD that I'm still currently dealing with is um, eating disorders. I'm sure eating disorders are still very taboo, but they're very common. The ones that you may hear of most are anorexia and bulimia and binge eating disorder. And I would like to start by defining those and kind of talking a little bit about each one. And then I will get into my story and the ones that I've experienced and that I'm still dealing with on a day-to-day basis. So the most common, I know that we kind of all have learned this. I mean, especially people my age, we had started to learn about eating disorders in home and careers in middle school, and that's now called facts or home ec. It's called um, family and consumer science. Um, but it's a very brushed over topic, and I think that a lot of education systems believe that if something is spoken about, it will lead to a contagion effect. And what that means is that once you learn about something, that you're more likely to do it. I disagree with that. I think that it's very harmful to not discuss these things and how you can be proactive and preventative and helpful to others and can, you know, can identify the trigger or the, the, the warnings, the warning signs, the symptoms in your friends and people around you especially when it comes to being a teenager. So the first main one, we kind of only learned about the first two common ones back then. So I'm sure that when I speak about anorexia nervosa, you guys will know exactly what that is. But for those of you that don't, it is restricting your food intake, eating very minimal or nothing on a day-to-day basis because you have an intense fear of gaining weight. That's the most common one, and it impacts women more than men, but that doesn't excuse men from also having the, the ability to develop an eating disorder like anorexia. Um, signs that you may see is, you know, just avoiding food, um, pushing food around on plates, and shout out to Degrassi and my friend Molly. She'll know exactly what episode I'm referencing. Um, but in that show, one of the main characters shows these symptoms very bluntly like it's kind of showing you what it may look like or what it may start to look like if somebody's all of a sudden developing an eating disorder like anorexia I also think and it was Emma by the way and Manny they both kind of dabble into some eating issues on Degrassi Canadian Degrassi and it might have been an anorexia and then the next one is bulimia nervosa which is the second most common in men and women um Bulimia is the overeating or closet eating, like you eat in private and then you purge. So binging and purging, you go to vomit after you've eaten a certain amount of food and you won't eat, you just kind of, you kind of have that shame and regret of what you had just done. So you immediately go to release it and this can cause a lot of stomach issues and ulcers and things that won't be helpful to you in the future. The third leading disorder in the eating disorder realm is binge eating disorder. It's very similar to 
to bulimia, but it doesn't have the vomiting. Binge eating is that you're just overeating a large amount of food in a short period of time. You have lack of control of eating. It's almost like it's a, it's your way to cope with things that might going on like stress or relationships or school, things that you want to distract yourself from. It's like that instant gratification. It's that instant release. And it kind of comforts you, I guess. This is kind of where comfort food comes in. But you eat it in such a short amount of time, it's almost like stress eating. And after you don't vomit, but you feel shame and guilt for what you have just done, and you kind of sit in that. And then the the fourth most common one, and I'm saying this one because it impacts a lot of my kiddos now that I that I work with, but it is avoidant restrictive food intake disorder. And that kind of comes in early childhood. So typically when you're either an infant up to age seven or seven to 11. So I know that a lot of my kiddos are still in that phase of this might be something that they may not even notice or that parents might not even notice as something that is more harmful than not. And avoidant restrictive food intake disorder is disturbed eating because due to the lack of interest in eating in general, um, lack of interest because of the smells, the taste, the textures, the color of food. Um, shout out to my friend Maddie now. She doesn't like round fruits. Like she won't eat grapes or blueberries or things or blackberries, things like that, just because of the way that they're shaped. Like just round fruits in general. It's actually kind of funny, but she's an adult, so it doesn't count as much as it does with kids. But Sometimes there's something that's so off-putting for kids that they will stop eating in general or think that, you know, that they're all of a sudden they think all food is the same and they don't want to eat any of it. And eating disorders become more prominent in teenhood, so that's kind of like the cuspy part, but these four are the most that are, that are more prominent in America specifically. I don't want to speak for outside countries, but those are the top four. They typically do, like I just said, they develop in teenhood between the ages of 12 and 14 is when you start to notice signs of eating disorders. Besides the one I just met, the last one I mentioned for kiddos, but the rest are 12 to 14, they develop and they can go up to, you know, ages 25 to 30 where the disease, the disorders are the most prominent in someone's life, male or female. So speaking on that, um, I myself as someone that deals with eating disorders on a daily basis, like I had mentioned, and mine had begun at the end of high school, so 17, 18, but the year that I was harmed the most, I want to say, by what I was experiencing was age 20. So now I'll kind of go into my own little experience with this journey, and it's really heavy, so excuse me if I sound a little off or there's some pauses that, I don't know, this is definitely a vulnerable topic, and I know that I've, I talk about it, but I don't talk about it enough, if that makes sense. So at the end of high school, let's start there. I I don't want to say I never really had body image issues, but I had never been called out for my weight ever that I remember. Um, there was 
brief comments here and there from some of my friends' moms, maybe my stepdad, but I don't feel like I was ever fat shamed or talked about for wanting to eat food, like specific foods. I ate a lot of junk food when I was growing up and I felt very, I felt a lot of comfort in food. Um, there was a lot of family issues and stress back then. So I did, I did rely on food, but I won't go that, (laughs) that far behind. But when I was 17, 18 or my senior year of high school, I started to to feel more confident about myself and I felt that it was time for me to be healthy and when I hear the word healthy I think of eating right I think of I think of exercising and I remember just randomly going you know what I'm gonna get a gym membership today and my friend at the time and I started going every day to the gym from literally from 3 p.m. when we would get out of school to 6 p.m. you know just you know to 17, 16, 17 year old girls just going and doing everything possible that was there between the ab machines and the the treadmills and specifically cardio. And we would just sit there for three whole hours just being obsessive with the gym. And we did this every day for a while, I want to say. But then, you know, we didn't think of any, anything of it. We'd still be teen girls. We'd go home, eat chocolate, Nutella, yada, yada, yada. Just, you know, just a weird combination, like just getting into the gym world. But because of my symptoms of anxiety and because of my symptoms of obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, it became something that I had to do. When I say that, like when I become, when I get into something and I still struggle with this as an adult, like I have certain routines, I will, and I have to hit every benchmark before I go to bed. So even now, like I'm kind of more lenient than I once was. But back then it would be like school all day long and then I would either go to work from three to nine or I'd go to the gym from or I'd go from to the gym two to four to go to work at four or whatever it was like I was very strategic go to bed by nine yada 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 eat food like I have a specific structure and like now I go to work come home work out eat dinner read a book watch some shows play guitar like I always have to hit those benchmarks where I feel like I didn't complete the day correctly unhealthy but I have made it more healthy than it once was so anyways when I you know I became more I I started going to the gym more regularly and I went to OCC so I was still in school and I wasn't really focused too much I, I like I still went to the gym every day but it definitely wasn't for three hours I just felt comfortable I probably wasn't eating the best of foods but I started to do like black coffee and I was weaning off of sweets and just random things that I would look into or that I was told by other people at the gym of just how to you know make that gym and food combo so I can be quote-unquote healthy or what my what I was being told that healthy was so that had went on for you know about two years and I wasn't really noticing things that I wish I had noticed or maybe I had noticed and I didn't pay attention to. But that year that I turned 20, right when I finished OCC 2015, which is the community college up here, one of the community colleges up here in upstate New York, I became very, very obsessive with the gym. I continued to, and then I had seen myself 
I never starved myself. Uh, mm, 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 false. I didn't go a day without food. Let's just say that. I ate less and less, and I can even t- and this is heavy, but I definitely can remember what I would eat in a day, and it, and I and I you know what I'm gonna share it with you because I do like to reflect on how far I've come. So for a while, so back then, my eating had become. I had I would have like a Belvita bar, a breakfast bar in the morning, which is just one. And then I would go to gym for two to three hours, come back. I would eat 10 carrots because that was a serving size. Baby carrots, 10 carrots. Um, a granola bar or a protein bar with peanut butter on top that I would put on. And an ap- apple slices with peanut butter. And that was it. That was my lunch after working two to two hours, two to three hours. And then back then I would also go for like a mini walk, like a, a mile or two. Right after I would eat that lunch, no snacks in between. And this is actually when I was still eating meat and I would have one piece of chicken, white chicken, with a bag of steamed broccoli for dinner. That was it. One piece of chicken, one cup of broccoli. I kid you not, one cup of broccoli maybe with some ketchup for the chicken. But it was like Italian dressing. I don't know. Yeah. And then for a snack, I would have a rice cake with peanut butter or dessert, whatever, at the end of the day. That was it. And I typically would go on another one to two mile walk after I ate dinner. I began to have this fear of not being healthy. I became obsessed with managing my calories and my intake and just like being upset because I wasn't losing weight in my eyes. Like I wasn't, like I didn't see myself losing weight or I didn't see myself being unhappy. And unfortunately, when I was hungry, I would go take a nap or I would go sleep instead. And I remember getting to that point of just exhaustion. I didn't want to get up and I, I would avoid parties and friends because they would be eating and I didn't want anyone to make commentary I was hiding for sure. Um, you could definitely take a guess of what eating disorder I struggle with, but it might be hard to because there are actually two very, very different ones besides the common ones, which was interesting in itself. Um, the one that I had learned the most about is, is orthorexia. And what orthorexia is, is the obsession with healthy eating, quote unquote, healthy eating and dieting. I no longer like to think of the word dieting. I don't believe in the word dieting. I definitely don't think there's healthy versus unhealthy. I think that food is meant to be had in moderation and that nothing should be labeled bad or good. People, places, things, including food. Um, There's definitely, you know, like, you know, anything in moderation is very helpful and it, it creates a healthy mindset. But I definitely had an obsession with quote unquote healthy eating at that time. And then one I had just like recently discovered that makes more sense to what I was dealing with is anorexia athletica. And that was managing my calorie intake, um, over exercising, obsessive and compulsive exercising to control my body. I just wanted pure control of my body. Cause I, I think at the time I felt that I didn't have control of anything else. 
was like, you know what? I, I can make myself, quote unquote, skinnier. I can be better. I can get boy attention. You know, I can get people to look at me because for, for some reason, and like I said, I had never heard anything when it came to my weight. And I wasn't always like, I wasn't fat. Like I never want to say that I was fat, but I had, you know, moments of being chubby and I just never paid attention to it. I was just a, a little girl or a growing girl or a teenage girl shouldn't have really thought anything to it. No one had ever made comments about my weight at all besides my mom, my friend's mom. But I don't think it was, you know, said enough for me to, to I don't know. And I, I can't even say, any, I can't even say anything about social media because I don't even blame so, social media at all because I don't remember paying attention to certain body types. And I don't know, maybe, maybe. But I was watching Jersey Shore and Snooki liked to eat pickles so I don't, and like she drank obsessively. So I don't think I like I don't know where I had developed this mindset besides just dealing with OCD and anxiety. That's it, you know, just stress. Like something I could have control over was my body and quote and quote unquote being healthy. So I had struggled a lot, and I was dwindling down. And there's still sometimes where I think of when I would be having fits in front of my mom, being like. I can't believe I I work out for two to three hours and I'm still not skinny and I would punch my hips. Um, My hips were definitely prominent at a younger age. I have a small torso, so my hips kind of protrude right out. And I was always, like I told myself, like that's where my bones were. Like they won't change. Like no matter how much weight I gain or lose, my hips are always going to be wider. And I've accepted that at this point. (laughs) Like I'm healthy but they've always been there, but they were something I struggled with back then in my early 20s. And I remember just crying and crying to my mom, and she just stared at me, and she's like, what are you talking about, Court? Like, you are skinny. Because at a mo- at mom, at a time like that, they would never tell you. they Like, you want to hear that you're skinny, so they're going to tell you that. I don't like that word now. I don't like skinny or fat. But my mom was like, what is going on? She was really upset to see me falter like that. And she didn't, she was like, Court, you need to eat more. Like, I just remember her commentary and I just ignored it. And then I remember, and I was 20 years old. Again, remember that. I was 20 years old and I remember getting on the scale and weighing 125 pounds. I had not weighed that since probably sixth grade. And I was weighing that at 20, almost 21 years old. And I was like, oh my God, I'm 120 or 125. I think it was 120. I don't know that. And I was like, I walked out of my of the bathroom and I said that to my mom. She's like, that's not good. You are a tall, athletic girl. Like, that is not good. And I was like, well, it is to me or something along those lines. And that probably hurt her too, but... I think my mom had moments of of strength where she didn't like she wanted me to acknowledge things that I was experiencing before she told me what I was experiencing cuz I was that type of kid that if you told me anything I wasn't going to believe you anyways. So she was very patient with me I would like to say even though she saw me in a weird way like deteriorating in front of her eyes but I felt like she knew that I was going to eventually help myself. Maybe like she knew I was that strong-willed of a girl. And then that summer of 2015, 20 of my friends and I, we had booked a trip to North Carolina, uh, the Outer Banks. And we went there 
so many of us, so much fun. And I had, I don't even know how to explain it, but we were all there together and we went grocery shopping and I got bagel thins, thins, or not bagel thins. It was like that multi-grain thin bread and peanut butter and jelly because that used to be my breakfast and that was literally probably 100 calories tops. I don't think I got any snacks, maybe pretzel. No, I wasn't even in my snacking phase yet. I had no snacks. Um, I got some fruit. I got grapes and then some broccoli bags of broccoli. And, you know, I had, and I would drink like two drinks and I would be hammered because I wasn't eating. And I also ran two miles to the gym at our resort and then I ran two miles back, would work out for an hour. And my, while my friends are like laying on the beach or playing in the pool or whatever, and I was hyper focusing on like, oh my God, I'm on vacation. I have to take care of my body. I have to be healthy. Everyone's eating poorly. I'm going to eat good. And just like nonsense ways of thinking. Absolute nonsense. Like my brain was on fire with the control pieces that I had. And then I remember one night I had chosen to have the peanut butter and jelly thing for dinner instead with the broccoli and I think my friends had already started to notice my signs and symptoms but they didn't know how to bring it up to me but my one friend at the time that I you know like he was very blunt and I actually you know like oh part of my recovery to him because he had called me out that night I was he's like Courtney that is not dinner what are you doing and maybe he could have been a little bit I don't want to say too forward. Maybe he could have been more sly with it. But I just remember going absolutely ghostly silent and everybody kind of looked over like... But he, it, it came from a voice of concern. It came from care. Like, what are you doing? Like, why aren't you eating? And I think that was the first time that I said, maybe there is something going on with me. And I went home and I think I told my mom that I felt that something was going on and she was she said you're right there is something going on with you unfortunately after that trip and at the end of that summer I was moving to college I lived off campus I lived away from my friends but you know I was still eating the same and then I you know I think it went from back and forth to good and bad because I I stopped eating meat so then I had maybe started to eat more carbs which is what I was lacking so then I remember that And long story short, I don't know if it was because my friends comment from the Outer Banks, but I think I started to eat more again, you know, just on my own. Like, I don't think, like, besides my mom making comments. And then my friends made other comments, like, it's okay to eat, like, eat Cheerios, or it's okay to have this once in a while. And just, like, you know, just putting positive influence into my brain for me to start eating again. But I still, you know, there was a difference between, quote-unquote, good and bad food to me. I... I would say I'm not eating pizza and like this is something that still triggers me to this day. I could you can name any single food, even foods I don't like and I can tell you the approximate calorie count. I can tell you what's in a serving size. I can tell you how much is what what it's just, it's absurd. Like I can go off a list of any food like a banana is 100, a medium banana is 100 calories or an apple is 80. It's upsetting. It's upsetting that I could walk you through like two tablespoons of peanut butter is 190. Like I can give you every last calorie 
and I would always go less than the calorie amount because I was afraid of calories. When there's nothing, and I repeat nothing, with the calories, it's about how you take care of your body, how much you're eating, like mindful eating, knowing when you're full, not to overeat or undereat. Like eat when you're full and eat with your hungry. Your body deserves that, especially if you're athletic, especially if you have a moving job. Take care of yourself. You need food to fuel yourself and your brain. So fast forwarding after that for a while, so that, that was like the restrictive eating. And then again, once I started eating again, like I started to binge. So I kind of went into binging. I had went from 120 to 185 pounds in like a year or two. Like, so I went to my lightest to my heaviest because I was just introducing food back in. And then there was times where I couldn't stop eating. Plus school, like obviously there was like stress with moving and school and all of that too. That doesn't help. But I gained all that weight back because I was just eating normal again and then adding more food to it. And then I started eating more food to make up for lost time. And it was like a very chaotic mess. And I had, you know, irregular periods. I had constant headaches. I kid you not, from the years of 2015 to 2019, I had a headache every day. I got put on medication. I got on the high dosage of Tylenol, basically. Headaches, just headaches. I just couldn't get out of them and because I, I wasn't freaking fueling my body correctly. And I had messed up every system, you know, my metabolism, everything that I just messed up everything. And I, I guess you could say I pulled myself out of it and I got into better eating patterns, more food, less exercise. And then maybe maybe it was it was 2020, 2020 to 2021. Shout out to this next guy that I had talked to at the time. Wasn't the best, but he had pushed me into more gear. Like, you need to take care of yourself, Courtney. Like, you're not eating enough still. And I, and he pointed it out to me, you know, he gave me protein. He, he was very kind when he's like, he was very, very gentle with it and knew how to handle eating disorders. And I, I really appreciate him because like a kid, when he did the opposite, he's like, cause I kept, he kept saying, eh, girls with that don't really change. He kind of used like reverse psychology on me. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, you would, you're going to say you're going to get help, but you're not going to go. I know this. I've been through this before. And I was like, bet your ass I'm not going to get help. (laughs) And I know that he was smart and he knew what he was doing because I actually signed up that next week to go to a nutritionist. And him and I didn't work out, but I had went a whole year with my nutritionist and I learned about mindful eating and no such thing as healthy versus unhealthy and I had I discovered the word body neutral neutrality neutrality, and that means that no matter what weight I am, it does not find define who I am. Like BMI is actually like the body mass index, and the weight charts that you're shown, that the ones that reference when you're quote unquote overweight or obese, are false. Those were back from like the nineteen freaking fifties, and it doesn't even go along with any any body besides white people. It's all false. It was like to it was supposed it was like supporting racism basically. It's all false. It's not even real. So it's not even something to reference. There's no such thing as a healthy weight. It's about how you feel and how he- and how you're you're doing. If your insides are good cuz you can be overweight and still be healthy. And just taking care of you. 
Like, as long as you're not just sitting and eating all day or, you know, like, abusing things, you are perfect the way that you are. Not anybody is, not everybody's supposed to look like each other. You know, social media, all of that, that's not supposed to be what you are. Just because that's the fad, that's, like, at the end of the day, we're all going to be old and we're all going to age and we're not going to look like that. So you're busting your ass probably for nothing and you're not help, you're not help, you're not happy. You know, those guys that do... Um, body contest, whatever those flipping things, bodybuilding, that's unhealthy. That's, that's an eating disorder. And I can, I can tell you that right now, the mentality that goes into that or bikini or bikini bodies or dieting or summer bodies, like everybody is a summer body. And I will say that to the day I die because I didn't go through all of this just to go back into it and allow my friends to shame themselves or feel bad about themselves or anybody for that matter sorry for my tangent so that was me so I'm definitely in recovery like I like to say I'm in recovery because I still struggle with disordered eating thoughts I definitely struggle you know like there's still times where like I cringe at eating pizza but then I do it or because I used to think that pizza was quote-unquote bad or I won't have a drink because it has too many calories in it like I, I definitely pause and I definitely still go on scales and stuff but I'm so much better than I used to be and I've been, and I just found out on Monday, yeah, Monday, yeah, yesterday, I found out that I have sustained my weight for the past six months, and for those of you that are in recovery as well, you know that's such a monumental moment for someone that has struggled with the gaining and losing of weight, and the lowering and hiring of metabolism, and the switching of eating, and and working out, and I just felt so proud of myself, like, I wanted to stay in this span, like, it's not about the weight, it's about how I feel, but just to say, like, like I was told, because I was scared to start eating again, and I gained a lot of weight back after um, my t- nutritionist, but then I balanced out just like she promised. So I guarantee you that you can end up on that route too. So those of you that are struggling, please, please, please reach out to me, and I will advocate to the day I pass about how to handle that male or female. And I can, I can spot fellow people with eating disorders a mile away. And I won't, and don't be afraid to approach me in any way that you need to, even anonymously, I don't mind. But enough about me. I just wanted to kind of, this last little bit is about my dear, dear students because I've seen a growth in disordered eating and the development of eating disorders at their young age in middle school. And what I'm so, what is like a double-edged sword is that I'm so happy that there are social workers in school buildings because we can see the warning signs earlier than if they, you know, like I was. I was an adult because not many people talked about it, even though we should be. But the second, like even this year alone, half of my seventh grade cohort of girls, they don't eat, not even the boys. The boys aren't eating and their their lunch is the latest. They don't eat until like 12.30, almost one. They're not eating all day. They probably don't eat breakfast because they start at 7 a.m. And I, I, just, I just know earlier than most because of my experience. And I casually started having these conversations with my girls. Like I kind of called parents and cause, or their parents had noticed and then I noticed. And it's something that you want to pick up fast. So I made my room into a safer place where they can all come eat and feel comfortable eating I noticed that was the first step because, you know, middle schoolers are mean. 
and their peers are calling them fat. Oh, you're going to eat my snack or you're going to eat all your snacks. Like just the commentary is unnecessary or the way you're chewing and then they get self-conscious and they don't want to eat or that their thighs touch or something stupid that is said to you that sticks with you in middle school. I can see it. And then I see them not eating and then their parents notice. And then we kind of discuss ways to be healthy. And like the thing, the thing, like it's not to scare them, but it's kind of scare them straight. Because in my big age, I definitely was scared straight when I heard this, when my my nutritionist said this, you will gain more weight because your body and your body will store fat because of the, your ability to not eat because you're supposed to eat more to keep your metabolism up. You're supposed to eat three meals, three snacks and eat when you're hungry. If you're depleting yourself, like you're not allowing yourself to eat that much, then your body is going to store any kind of food it has as fat, bottom line. So when I had said that to some of my seventh grade girls, they're like, what? Because I was like, if you're waiting until you get home to eat a bunch, you are going to gain weight. And if your fear is gaining weight, that is what you're doing to yourself and you're not being healthy, especially with my athletes. They're my athlete girls and my athlete boys. They're not eating and it makes no sense. And I definitely want to make sure that that just reminded me I got to talk to like their coaches and just remind them that be mindful. These kids need more food and their parents. Um, a lot of parents have been working hand in hand with me and my heart is so happy that I'm just full of resources for that and that I had firsthand experience and I have actual certified things that were said to me, ways to eat, how to get people. And I also know like I, I, I'm definitely like a mentor to a lot of my girls specifically and a lot of the boys too, but the boys went a minute. Shout out my seventh grade boys mostly. <laughs> but my seventh grade girls, they will ask me what I eat in a day and I, I was like, well, I eat a smoothie bowl and I eat all this protein and I make sure I have a snack and I have salad and I put all this veggies, greens, 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 like everything in it because I, and I remember my first girly had went back home and her mom bought the whole, the whole, my whole grocery list basically. Cause my, my student was, you know, impacted by me and, but now she's eating and it's, and it just like warms my heart to see that, you know, just catching it early can be can help prevent a whole whole disease that they don't they shouldn't ever have to deal with just because of social media and boys and other peers and you know speaking of like real quick I think social media is the devil I think that these girls are seeing too much or everybody at this age they're just they're on TikTok they're seeing all the things like like I said I had Jersey Shore and the Kardashians but I truly wasn't trying to mimic their body because I didn't care either way like I just wasn't about the social like I knew that they were famous I knew that that wasn't going to be my body blah 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 that they could pay for bodies but these girls everybody they're very impacted and we just got out of the quote-unquote thick phase we're back to like skinny and not eating and not like and it's just devastating or you're fatter than me or you're good about and like middle school is just a weird age they're they're developing they're not they're thinning out or they're you know, getting hips and boobs and they're just growing or getting muscle. Like I don't, I will preach to the end of time. Like, please come eat. Like I have snacks in my room. I make sure that my kids are fed. I will not. And I actually made it a rule. If you're not eating during my lunchtime, like I will feed you or you're not to come in there because food is just so important and it could be forceful, but I do want them to eat something. Anything in front of my face is all I need. (laughs) Sorry for my tangents, but anyways, you know, there's not like just noticing signs first is the only like one of the only ways to be proactive 
or having these discussions in health class or going in depth or having these conversations at home or talking to others about it. It's really hard to be preventative, but proactive is good. And some of the coping skills, you know, like to kind of end out this, this episode, some of the coping skills I use are still, you know, I'm mindful eating, thinking about what I'm eating and just like, like, oh, this tastes good. Or I'm allowing myself to have this. Like don't disallow or allow yourself like eat when you want to eat what you want, eat when you're hungry, eating balance, still working out. I work out less. I work out less and I eat more. I hope that you guys can hear my cat crunching in the background. I have noise, noise canceling on, but he has to eat right now for whatever reason. Shout out my, my princey boy. And I hope you enjoy the crunch. (laughs) Anyways, so (laughs) I work out less. I take care of myself. I change up my routines. I take breaks now that I never used to take. I walk, I fuel my body. I, I, and you know, just catching the signs early you know, supporting body neutrality, like having those conversations with kids, like saying a body is a body. It's your vessel. It's not going to matter at the end of the day, like take care of you, be happy. And then I also have some resources for individual therapy. I have nutritionists. I have group support groups that are free. Um, Ophelia's place up here in upstate New York is an eating disorder um, based bakery that has resources and support groups. Anything that you know, is necessary. Anything that you guys have questions about. Um, I can't believe I just talked this whole episode through on one take just because (laughs) of how much I know and how much it impacts me. And I'm actually super, super impressed that I didn't just have a breakdown about it. But mental health, speaking to each other, being vulnerable is really important to me. And I want to be able to help every individual person that might be experiencing this because I still get triggered on the daily. You know, I might have one glimpse in the mirror and I feel off or I might see one thing and trust me, me deleting my Snapchat and my Instagram, not wanting that validation or thinking I have to look a certain way or feel a type of way to love myself, that was never fair. And I'm definitely in my my era of loving myself no matter what I look like and just you know, reminding myself that I'm me and you're you and these kids are them and to just love ourselves and each other and not make commentary like that. I will never, ever, 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 ever speak on someone's body again, ever. Because it's just a, you know, just a friendly reminder. You don't know what people are experiencing or what will stick. So anyways, thank you for listening and please, please leave reviews, comments, questions, concerns. Um, if you want resources, let me know. And remember, it's May. Be kind to yourself this month, if not any other month. Mental health awareness. Mental health is real. And again, thank you for listening to Grow Through What You Go Through. Bye.